is the Stagger Podcast. Welcome into the Stagger Podcast. What is up? I am JD Smith. And a little tired and a little hungover. I am Derek Smith. How you doing? Uh, well, here's the deal, bud. We are less than an hour removed from the end of the Rolex 24 yes. hours at Daytona as we sit here and record. So you and I have been up for not all 24 hours, but many of the 24 hours of the greatest, one of the greatest races that ever occurs every single year on the calendar. Yes. We love this race. We watched a ton of it. And now we're going to review it. We're going to talk about what happened. We're going to bring you some of the highs, some of the lows, get into uh, all the good stuff that happened over the weekend. But uh, give me your initial impressions, man. We, we man. didn't sleep a lot. We we drank quite a bit. We got to <laughs> yeah. napping when you're trying to watch a race, which happens to me all the time. It but, happens uh, when you have too many Nordic ales, that's for mm, sure. Mm. Um, yeah. And I, I might be having a few more tonight after what happened at the very end of the race. Uh, not having Kevin Magnuson get on that top step of the podium, but uh, yeah, it was a, it was a great race. Uh, it always is a great race. I think we said this last week. Even when you have a three-hour you know monsoon and you just basically roll around on caution for three hours, <laughs> yeah, I still sit and watch that. It's like I know it's fun. It's enjoyable. It's the Rolex Twenty Four. You've got all these drivers, all these manufacturers. You've got all these TV personalities, like racing personalities that are on the American broadcast. It, it's fantastic. I love it and. Even with the COVID protocols that are in place this year, this is the first time, even though COVID hit slightly shortly after this last year, this is the first time that we had to deal with COVID protocols at the Rolex 24. So it was cool to see them still do a essential 24-hour broadcast and be able to still talk to drivers, both you know in the pits and owners and things like that. But they also got to have sit-downs with drivers that were out of the car and uh collected their thoughts i thought they i thought they like handled that. all that really well yeah yeah to your point and you know i thought that they did a great job with all the different talent that they they have you know it's a lot to have broadcasters that can go for 24 straight hours so they had multiple teams kind of rolling in and out and yeah. i gotta say i think that uh dale earnhardt jr is an added benefit having him on the race i think you know, just getting his perspective a little bit as a guy who it's weird to think about it. Right. But he's a veteran of 20 plus years of, you know, 20 years ago is when he was running that race with his dad. The last one they That's did, obviously, terribly crazy. Um, yeah. But it's amazing to think that that race that they won in the Corvette was 20 years ago. So as far as you think about how many fans listening or watching that race, we're, in, we're watching the sport 20 years ago. We're watching IMSA 20 years ago. I mean, this guy was driving in IMSA 20 years ago. So his history with the sport, even though some people may be like, oh, they just put the NASCAR guy on because he's famous and popular. It's like, well, he actually, I mean, he, he won this race. I mean, I, I think he's got pretty good amount of insight. Now, he he isn't driving like a DPR, a DPI car every week, so he doesn't maybe have that level of experience with it right now, but no, I, I think they did a really good job putting him on the broadcast, and, and the talent that they have assembled is is pretty good. And I like Lee Diffie. I know some people may not. I think he's pretty good. Um, so, yeah, overall, I enjoyed the broadcast. I enjoyed what they did with it, especially with the limitations they had. I thought they, they did a really good job. Um, where, oh, do you, yeah. where do you want to go here? You want to go into, like, some of the results? We could talk about some of the impressions that we had of the race because, yeah, man, it. I don't know for me. I, I, I do know how you feel about it, too, but I'll, I'll start it off. Night racing at Daytona, maybe one of the best things you'll ever see. Just, just yeah, that yeah, is so was, beautiful. 
Oh, it was it was a lot of fun. And I mean, and just to clarify, too, with Earnhardt getting that he had a podium that he had uh, in the Rolex series driving with the Corvette team. So I thought they won. They didn't win that way. They didn't win that year. They got the podium, uh, but they did not get the win in both times. And both in uh, in 2001 and 2004. Uh, he received the podium. So that was okay, cool. I thought he won. I'm yeah. sorry. All right. No, no, no. no you're wrong. good. I just, I just want to make sure because we got a lot of IMSA fans that have hopped on this week from TikTok and Twitter that are going to be listening to their first episode. I want to make sure because I made the same mistake. I said Jan Magnussen drove for Crone Racing. That was uh, Nick Janssen, and that was totally not. <laughs> that was a different Nordic person. So you know, sometimes you get your your uh, your Scandinavians mixed up. It happens to the best of it us, does. right? It occasionally um, does. <laughs> it's been a long day, guys. We we watched a lot of racing. So if we get a little bit of stats wrong, you got to bear with us on That's that. That's all right. Yeah, it's gonna uh, but happen. Yeah. But man, night racing, man, it hits different. Uh, I love the start of the race. There's like this flurry. It's almost like, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think, like, because. I don't want to compare this to golf because it's completely opposite. But you hit your first, like, you know, when you're about ready to go golfing, like with you and your buddies, you're having fun. You're excited. Okay, cool. Time to tee off. And then you tee off. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's terrible. And next thing you know, over the next course of the next few hours, you settle in. uh, You you get distracted. You drink some beers. You have some fun. That's kind of what the start of the race is. To me, it's almost like this settling in period. But uh, obviously, then you get into the night and it's like, ooh. It's almost like, um, gosh, I, I, it's almost like a coming of age of a race fan. Like, like in the sense of like, if you get a chance to watch an IMSA race at night, especially specifically the Rolex 24 with all the Ferris wheel and the lights, the glitz, the glamour, and all the cars with all the neon stuff they have on now and the LED lighting, it's it's like an experience that you need to have as a race fan. Like you're a race fan for sure if you're into dirt or F1 or NASCAR, IndyCar, whatever. But it's like you reach another level of race fandom when you get a chance to actually see that. Think, it's just so yeah. aesthetically pleasing. I think you reach another level of race fandom too when you spend any portion of a whole twenty-four hour period, like where you you go to your hotel room and then come back and you there's still a race going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like or so that is something I've never done. I know you've done it. I plan on going to the Rolex twenty four, yeah. uh, hopefully next year. But if not, in the next couple of years, I want to get out there and do that again or do yeah. that. Go yeah. with you. But I think you and I would have very different experiences at the Rolex because we are brothers. We have uh, known each other, oh, obviously, yeah. as long as we've been able to know people. Um, and we've gone to tons of races together. And you and I are different people. And I think there's two types of fans that go to the Rolex. And I think you and I would be the two different kinds. <laughs> because there's the one fan, which would be me, that's like, all right, I am here. I am at the Palace of Speed, the Daytona International Speedway. They're just going to be racing all day. I'm never going to catch all of it. I'm, there's no possible way I'm going to see everything. So I'm going to settle in, find comfortable places. I'm going to find alcohol that tastes good, and I'm going to imbibe large amounts of it. And I'm going to just be like blissed out and buzzed the whole time walking around, literally staggering around kind of like wow look at that ferris wheel man they're going fast this is awesome drink like that's that's where i would be so i would be just randomly sleeping in different places i would be finding like you know if we brought a car that was parked in the infield or something i would be going to that car and sleeping in it getting up at 2 a.m walking out cracking a beer going this is beautiful america and then get back in the car fall asleep again like that <laughs> that would be my experience but i'm guessing you would be the other type of fan that i think goes to these yeah. races which is you have I, you have you have five hour energies on hand you have monster energies on hand you have all the energy drinks and you're coursing yep. them through your veins the entire time 
Oh, yeah. I would be first watching the start wherever you would be. So if you want to be up in the stands or in the infield, I'd, I'd find a spot to where we could watch the start. Of course. And yeah. then as you go to get your fifth or sixth beer, I'd go to get my change of clothes to get a nice uh, Cadillac or Acura racing polo jacket, something of that sort. Especially once the night hits, I put some slacks on and pretend I look like a Penske employee <laughs> and uh, I'd walk in there. And with a clipboard and t- and have a lanyard tucked into my front pocket, no one ever checks that as long as it, it matches what's on the team. And I just would be impersonating team personnel, just walk around the pit, pat, the paddock with uh, headphones on. You would and, be um, you would be stealing IDs. I like that. You oh, just, oh yeah, and you then, then just like be... just wait, just wait till the sunrise, man. I'd be getting me a yellow vest on, back in my khaki uh, shorts and uh, and my backwards hat, and I'd be sitting there uh, taking photographs all night long. Wake up shoot some energy drinks right maybe go to Krispy Kreme down the street I'd take a break I'd go to the Krispy Kreme on International Speedway Boulevard get some hot nows and bring it back to the track we'd meet up again we'd hang out uh for an hour or so then I'd go back and try to figure out how to get in the victory lane uh, oh somehow. of course yeah so, I think that would and, be and, and, yeah. know what's sad is all of this has happened except for the the stealing of IDs I have <laughs> Just no, but I'm act- saying you're stealing ID by like looking like an employee of a race team. So and if I around. wear slacks and a polo to a racetrack, I mean, that's not you're, a crime. You're, if well, I walk in with confidence and look the security guard okay. right in the eye and go, it's hey, not, sir, how you doing? It's not stealing. And I walk right past him. That's not breaking the law. I it's guess just called confidence, man. Stealing an it's ID. Gotta... It's like the stolen valor of a racetrack, though, where it's like <laughs> you're not actually a racing employee, but you're impersonating one, and you don't deserve well, any of the attention or fanfare that those people get because they time, actually work hard. One time we sat behind, me and a friend of mine, this friend, we we walked onto the oh, Mid-Ohio paddock. It was legit. What happened, see, what had happened was mm-hmm. is that he had a broken foot, so he had crutches and like a walking boot, right? Yeah. Um, so it, they opened up the paddock, which they did before COVID at Mid-Ohio. We wa- did the grid walk, and we sat down because he was tired, right? Yeah. And we sat down, they kept clearing people out, and we realized like, oh, they cleared everyone out. And uh, yeah, uh, the races, the, the gentleman start your engines was happening, driver start your engines. And we were sitting like literally like oh, 20 feet behind the Chip Ganassi, Pit box, we could watch the race from their t- TV monitors they had for sponsors, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we just like looked at each other. I was like, you just want to stay here the whole race? He's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. act like we belong. He goes, yeah. 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 I'm like, all right, let's do it. So, uh, I had my camera. I got to le- the last pit stop of the race. I leaned over the pit wall and took some pictures. Like, oh, right well, we got it. Because it was that the front stall on Mid Ohio. So, like, no one else was there. And then, gosh, after the race, we got. I got to go into the victory lane and and see uh, pretty much see every all the drivers as far as like take. I just stood up on where the photographers were and just start taking pictures. Yeah, like, yeah, it's a big deal. See, that's and that's then, that's it, man. Fake it till you make it. And I got to it. walk on the walk on the grid after the race was over. That was cool. It's like beautiful. If, if hey man, yeah. at some point if they're gonna let you out there, you might as well take advantage of it. Yeah. Don't do but, anything. You know, like you're not stealing anything. You're just no, taking photos. No, no, no. Just taking I mean, photos. And, but that's cool. You get some memories yeah. out of that. Actually, yeah. you brought up the cameraman though, leaning over the pit wall, and that reminded me of something. Or you taking pictures that way reminded me of the cameramen who work this race. Yeah. Before we get into anything else, so we will go through the results and all that stuff. Don't worry. We got plenty. There's still about. okay. This is five oh six Eastern when we're recording this. After the race ended at like what three forty five or something, yeah, they're still tearing down cameras right now. Oh yeah, like just that, just like the mechanics are still loading cars. Oh up yeah, they're all still putting, putting cars through tech. Of course, they're still all working there. It's like crazy. It's like a thirty six hour. Well, day, but what I wanted to get into 24. is the pit road cameramen, camera people. I don't know if it's one person or if it's a bunch. I don't know how many work there, but 
you know when they pull into the pits like they don't do this in nascar clearly because it's not safe to i guess and nascar clearly has rules about it but imsa does not where the cameraman (laughs) could just walk out onto the onto the over the pit wall stand there when the car is pulling in for its pit stop and then they've got the camera like jammed up into the wheel well when they're taking the brakes out. They have got the camera in the cockpit when they're like, you know, switching stuff out that way. And then when the car goes to leave, they usually have the camera like right in front of the car. And then somehow the car zips out of there, burns out. The camera looks like it's going to get hit. It never does or rarely does. I just want to know who these camera people are because they are all like they're madmen. They are they are psychotic. I appreciate everything they're doing because it is some of the best views you'll ever see. I mean, to get that up close and that kind of personal view of what's happening over the wall is fascinating. But I wish I wish you could do that in other series. I don't think they would view it as being safe enough to do it in other series. But man, that's it's one of the greatest races in the world. And you've got like everybody sitting at home can just see what's going on as they're working on the car like it's it's phenomenal i I love every second of that and they're they're in fire suits they're in helmets uh i remember watching a documentary or maybe it might have been like remember that odd period between like when youtube wasn't a thing yet like it wasn't like on your tv kind of thing right but people still like published videos to their website and on a media player right yeah yeah yeah. Uh, so i watched some of those webisodes or whatever they called them uh (laughs) i sound so old right now um but it was patrick dempsey or patrick long one of the two, and they were joking about uh, you get bonus points if you hit a cameraman when you peel out oh, at Lamont. <laughs> and they were like, they're like, yeah, like uh, I think one of their teammates had pulled out, and they were both in the pits, and they're like, oh man, almost got him, almost mm-hmm. got him. Mm-hmm. Like they don't, <laughs> they uh, just that's... made it a game. Like, well, you signed the waiver. <laughs> I mean, well, and that's the thing is, I don't, I am guessing like that's the mo for the camera people who are doing this is like. I know I'm close. If you hit me, it's your it's it's not your fault. It's mine. I got very close. Like I'm just amazed they get that close and don't end up getting hit. But yeah, the shots no, they get it, are incredible. They're they're true daredevils. Those those people doing that work and especially uh, especially the ones that like the peel away. Like you said, they I've noticed they try to go to the far side first, get that far side, get out from in front of the nose, but stay really close to it. Yeah, and then get that shot where they're probably on the pit wall. But they're extending their arm out. No, no, they're so not. Sometimes the I mean, sometimes them. they are on the far side. I I know that, and they like yeah. zoom. And there there were a couple where I actually rewound it. I'm like, how did they not get hit? Because one of them, it was like the camera was in between the mirror and the canopy of a DPI car, and then the car took off, and somehow like the back wing, which is covering all that, did not hit the camera. Like I. I still don't know how they pulled the shot off, but I I really kind of uh, wanted to watch you know, it. With all the prevent- I need a cameraman the- on the cameraman is what I'm saying. I need to see what yeah, the, cameraman the cameraman looks like when they're the doing it, dude. That's like my secret language of like I my favorite thing to do. Like when I'm out in a, in a famous spot like London at the Tower Bridge or someplace like that, I love to take pictures of people taking pictures. It's a, it makes for the coolest picture. I like not that. in a weird way, just like in no, like a, it, someone yeah. like the back of someone's head is like taking a picture of like a cool building or something. Yeah. So I take a picture of that person holding their phone up and it makes for a really cool shot. Um, But, but yeah, with with these people, man, like they must be, I mean, it's almost like a skill, like they've learned it somewhere. So my theory is with all of the professional uh, bullfighting that has gone under in the last decade or so with, you know, different regulations of animal cruelty, it's the, it's the matadors. Maybe, yeah, it is almost like Matadors. It's, it's that style. It's like what they'd have to do. You're right. I mean, it's, crazy. it's almost like, oh, yeah. go down. I don't know how <laughs> they're, I, I seriously don't know how they avoid getting hit. It's, it's crazy. Um, all yeah. right. 
Let's talk about the racing itself. Let's talk about the on-track action. Um, we'll we'll start off by announcing the winners, uh, as I'm sure everybody knows by now, and then we'll talk about some of the things that happened during the race. But uh, congratulations, of course, go to all of these people and everyone whose car even finished the race, let alone uh, the winners who, who were able to pull it off. Uh, of course, first and foremost, congratulations need to go out to, again, Wayne Taylor Racing, the Acura, no longer the Cadillac, uh, Ricky Taylor, Alexander Rossi, Philippe Albuquerque, or Felipe Albuquerque and Elio Castroneves finally getting his win, getting his uh, Rolex 24 wins. So big deal yeah. for him, big deal for Wayne Taylor after leaving the Cadillac program, switching over to Acura. There could have been a lot of issues with that, and I'm sure there were, but they found a way to get that car, which had not won under Penske at Daytona. Yeah. They found a way to take – so I think that's that's a – that's a pretty interesting thing that they took the car that couldn't win at Daytona or had not previously won at Daytona. And then the Wayne Taylor group had won what the last two or three at they Daytona won the last two. This was their third, this in, was a the row, third in a row. Yeah. Fourth in five years. So clearly there's something they've got cooking there because, uh, and as much as we love them, Michael Shank racing, that car just was not up to par to what Wayne, Wayne Taylor's Acura was. And those are very similar cars. So Penske knows how to prepare cars they couldn't get that Acura to victory lane at Daytona. Uh, Michael Shank obviously has a relationship with Acura. They know what they're doing. They have won plenty of times at Daytona with various other automakers and even with Acura. Um, but this Wayne Taylor Racing Acura got it done. So credit to that man. Credit to that team. Yeah. They have assembled quite the group there, and they should be proud of what they're doing. In, in a in a record short season for IMSA, like as far as the last year that like the race ended la or sorry the season ended last year really late and the fact that they were able to turn a car around they basically went to uh the last race of the year and bought the car from penske yeah and then right put it that, that's that's what shank did too so i think they said they shook it down shook it down the yeah. tuesday before the the roar first that's time incredible. they ever shook it down so yeah because like well they 10, said they days ago they said on the broadcast they spent a lot of time doing fit and finish stuff and double checking everything and just going into, you know, over where they could have tested more, but they chose not to. They instead chose to just work on everything they could have think of on the car. And then you're right. Then they did the shakedown and it, they had less time than a lot of other people. And by the way, that, that lineup of drivers I mentioned, I mean, look, we can talk about how, how, you know, great they are with, you know, all that talent. And they did, they found some tremendously talented drivers, right? They obviously know what they're doing, but you can give a lot look at all the talent that was on a lot of the other teams, you know? Being able to just have that right amount of, you know, skill, preparation for the car, knowing how to set it up, taking care of the equipment, having a good strategy. And then, of course, the bit of luck you have to have, right, to win the 24 hours of Daytona. You you have to have luck yeah, to not have a cut down tire, to not get stuck behind a car at the wrong time. So but yes, it, it's you know, you make your own luck some ways by being that prepared. Um, by the way, let's pause for a second because we need to appreciate the greatness yeah. of the man himself, Wayne Taylor. This is Wayne Taylor right after the race. Let's listen in and see if he sounds like he's maybe already started celebrating a little earlier than the end of the race. Jordan also, uh, uh, Jordan also won. Yeah, absolutely incredible. So. He won. Yeah, my team won. And, um, and, you know, and now, now it's like six, six wins in this place. It's like fucking awesome. Well, and, and a moment ago, you told me you hated this. Now, you like this part a little bit more, right? I knew exactly. he was going to retire. Uh, no, but 
but you know what happened? I had about that much of vodka just to see it. I was like, oh. because I couldn't stand it any longer. My stomach was like elegant. Party time in Wayne's house tonight, guys. I'll save the address later on my Twitter. Here we go. <laughs> so there you go. That is uh, old Wayne Taylor saying... Uh, that motherfucker disappeared talking about the guy who was uh, not enjoying the race because, did of you, course, uh, it's stressful as hell, I'm sure, to be him. But yeah. dropped did two F-bombs on NBC. Way to go, Wayne. Way to go. Did, Absolute <laughs> legend. Good for you. Did you catch uh, what Elio Castroneves saying, party at Wayne Taylor's house. I'll tweet the address. <laughs> <laughs> that was so great. It was so uh, great. And, yeah, good oh, for Elio. Good for him to get the win. Now he's a three-time IndyCar or Indy 500 champion, I should say. Uh, the man's the – yeah, he's won a lot in his career. And they, they had a great interview with him during the race where he, you know, was asked about, like, hey, you can go sell cars for Penske. You have a dealership. Uh, why don't you just do that? Why do you go racing? And he's like, I will do this as because I love it. He's like, as soon as I feel like I can't contribute, I will get out of it. And I'm not, you know, if I'm not good, but he said, I have the passion for it. I can still get a car around. Uh, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep on going. So can't say that I blame yeah, him at all yeah. in that. So very good stuff there. But yeah. let's let's talk about what, the rest of DPI. Like, or go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say Philippe Albuquerque, uh, the driver who drove it to the finish. I mean, and this is, again, Wayne Taylor just the Wayne Taylor racing um hats off to them. They took a Cadillac last two years to victory lane. Now they switch teams to Acura, like we were yeah. talking about before. And they turned that around, put that in victory lane too. So congratulations to them and all the staff members. Uh, that's gotta be freaking amazing. At, if you're Wayne Taylor racing, uh, uh, member of the team to, to be able to say you've won three Rolex 24s in a row. That's, that's an amazing incredible. hat trick, but Albuquerque had said something that, that caught me kind of by surprise in the, uh, interview at the winning at the victory lane. He said he could almost see Ranger Vanderzan's whites of his eyes in the back of the like, <laughs> like looking in the rearview mirror. He's like, I feel like I can almost see his eyes right there in the mirror. The, the, this was way closer, way closer than if you just tuned in the last oh you know, yeah twenty of minutes course. or so and saw oh someone gap he gapped the second place car by six seconds. No, it was not. It ended which, up being like which four by and the way at the for end. a for a twenty four hour race that is still incredibly close. But you're yeah. right that it was closer than that because you're absolutely there. I mean, you had. Ranger Vanderzander, or as uh, Lee Diffie likes to call him, Ranger Vanderzander, because he's got the little uh, <laughs> little Australian accent. Or as on I him. like to call him Jeep, Jeep Ranger. So. Yeah, the Jeep Ranger. Um, the Jeep Ranger. But man, like so, Philippe Albuquerque was great. Ranger Vanderzander was phenomenal. Um, and of course, we can't. There was like a three way battle there between the CGR Chip Ganassi racing car, the Wayne Taylor car. Uh, and then, of course, the guy who I think came out like we all know this, but for those who don't follow maybe international road racing, Kamui Kobayashi, man, that dude is legit. And he was taking the 48 car pretty much on his own and m destroying teams like he was he the car went away at the end, I think. But man, was he good, especially in the overnight portion. Uh, yeah. He had some great battles with Magnuson. Um, and then, uh, he and, and Vanderzanda had a few battles. Like it was really good between the 48 and the 01, especially overnight. Neither of those cars ended up winning. Obviously the 01, the Chip Ganassi entry that you were a big fan should've of. Should have won. And, well, I don't know about should have, but yeah, they, they cut down a tire. And like they we said, I mean, now. you, you cut down a tire, you have to go get it fixed. And yep. that's the way it goes. I mean, it's, there's unfortunately, I mean, that's part of what I was saying about the luck thing where, 
they had a car that absolutely could have won that race. They were very good. They had a chance, especially, you know, they had the penalty too, right? Where Mm -hmm. the wheels were spinning while the car was up in the air, which is a no-no when it comes to uh, the rules of IMSA. Safety precaution in the pits, that's fine. But that was something that did cause them to lose position. So they had to make that up. So a couple, you know, a couple mistakes, a couple things happen that mishaps, things like that. This is what it takes to win 24 hours. It's it's a very tough thing to do, even when you have a really great car, which they did. But again, Wayne Taylor, his boys figuring out how to get it done. That's pretty impressive. It's it's uh it's a fantastic way to end the Rolex 24, seeing a team just go out there and you got to celebrate in the last 20 minutes if you were a Wayne Taylor racing fan. Uh, so that was pretty cool. I would have I would have much rather had the the battle at the end, but you know there was a battle pretty much the entire race. I mean, I, I was a, I'm a part of this Kevin Magnuson fan club, shocker, on Facebook, and many of them there's like 27,000 people. The vast majority are Danish, so most of the posts are in Danish. But you know, you put the translator on, and they're just like, oh my gosh, 15 hours in, and they're separated by three seconds. This is in, this is incredible. Top three separated by three seconds, 15 hours in. It's just like, like it's mind boggling. I know the caution rules help and. And those things help, you know, as opposed to 10 years ago when they didn't yeah. really have those, you know, the, the 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 ways to get back in the race after you spun and stuff. But uh, it's just fantastic to to watch the Rolex 24. It's, it's my favorite race of the year and uh, was not disappointed this year. That's for sure. No, I wasn't either. I think it was really great. So, uh, yeah, the, the prototypes were awesome, as always. Um, and we also got to see some really great racing all the way down the line. Right. Uh, so yeah. you had you had uh, Jordan Taylor. He took in the uh, GTLM class. He took his Corvette to the lead and went past uh, Augusto Farfus in the BMW. And that BMW that didn't cause a giant wreck at the start of the race, uh, that BMW ended up, uh, you know, was was right there with an hour to go. But then Corvette put the pedal down. They got around him and it was off to the races and the the Corvette team won in GTLM in the final GTLM race for this uh, Daytona configuration at the Rolex 24 because yeah. GTLM class is going away next year. We'll talk about that more in a second. But that Corvette racing, Antonio Garcia, Nick Katzberg, Big Cat, it's not really his nickname. I just like it. And Jordan Taylor, they, they got it done. <laughs> they got it done in the Corvette. So kudos to them in that uh, particular series. Uh, the GTLM class, like I said, going away because next year they're going to go to more of a gt3 pro and pro am status so that should encourage more factory teams to build what are now known as gtd cars they'll probably still call them gtd cars but they'll be based off those type of profiles the gt3 cars they will not be the you know the Le Mans, you know type cars that go yeah. over there so yeah. this is going to be a little more focused on that um but either way corvette i would expect is going to be a part of that too um anyway so the gtlm class going away and it's probably a a good thing because now you'll see more variety like you see in gtd right now you see a lot more variety there so i think this will only be good uh for the sport but that's the last one of those speaking of gtd there was a good battle there too i i really enjoyed watching a a few of the battles that developed there but the one between the ferrari and uh the mercedes that was going on oh like overnight into the morning kind of all day long the 57 team, the Windward Racing team, they ended up winning the race. Yeah. Russell Ward, Philip Ellis, Indy Jonte, and uh, Mauro Engel, they got the job done. But they were fighting like all early afternoon with uh, – or like morning, afternoon, around that with the uh, Ferrari 488 team. 
that had Matteo yeah. Cressoni on it, who ended up unfortunately wrecking. Years they've been waiting. Forty years they've been waiting to to, to get back on uh, Ferrari has on yeah victory lane. Yeah, forty years for Ferrari, and they almost were going to pull it off until uh, a little mishap happened in the tournament. Yeah, well, Matteo Cressoni was the one who ended up having the wreck, but uh, Nicholas Nielsen and Daniel Serra both were also duking it out. Uh, with some of the drivers from Mercedes there, like Philip Ellis and uh, Mauro Engel, those two were, those two were great for Mercedes or for that Mercedes car. I know these are customer cars, but there's some factory drivers involved there. So anyway, that was a great battle that we we ended up seeing. There was another Mercedes that pulled up there too. That was fun, man. Like the GTD class was really great and a fun battle. GTLM had a lot of good racing, other than the wreck at the start of the <laughs> start of the whole race, which sucked. Um, for Cooper McNeil and the rest of that team with Porsche, that was really rough. But then you had um, solid racing in the DPI class. So three of the five classes were really, really competitive. And uh, LMP2, LMP3, not so much. Not quite as competitive. <laughs> That's okay, though. Like, you're not... Yeah. You got you got five classes of racing, the majority of them. You had uh, races come down to within the final laps. You could... You know, within the final hour, you had cars that were in touch of each other and could have made a pass or could have made it work on pit strategy. So, yeah. That's what you want I, out of a 24-hour race, I think. Yeah, I wonder if Rolex, like the watch company, is like, seriously, a fifth class? we got to make five more watches? <laughs> or like, come on, man. Like... This is ridiculous because they make four for the drivers and one for the owner, right? Yeah. Um, but like that, I, I I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong in this. I love the five is too much, man. Five classes is kind of too much. In well, they I forget who made the point. Um, some I I forget who was um, talking about it. Why am I blanking on uh, the IndyCar driver Sebastian Bourdais? Who he's yeah. he's from Le Mans, I believe, yeah. right? That's where he was born, or that's where he yeah, grew up. Yeah, yeah, he's from Le Mans. Yeah. He was making the point that you know he grew up, you know, watching that race and being a part of that race. And he said, you know, if you think about it, we have between you know forty to fifty cars, maybe sometimes a little less, on a track that is you know eight and a half miles long. Uh, this track is like three miles long. Three and, and a half, yeah. Yeah, three and a half miles long. And we have the same number or maybe even more cars or almost the yeah. same number of cars. That's going to create a lot more traffic than you see in the 24 hours of Le Mans. So as far as the difficulty for these drivers, you know, some of the things that can happen, by and large, I mean, yes, there were plenty of cautions. You had cars going off. You had things like that. And some of the cautions, I thought, took quite a long time. I mean, I, I get you got to get all the cars in and out safely. You got to get the five pits. series yeah. lined up properly. And get them lined up, and, too. And that's settle, it. Yeah. Five series of arguments like, no, 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 no. We were before him. What are you talking about? <laughs> what? No, we were there. Come on. I mean, like anybody who's like, had a scanner in a NASCAR he, race knows that absolutely yeah. is what happens because they literally you imagine if you see them going around for like yeah. three laps at Bristol where you're like, why have they not dropped the green flag? The answer is because some idiot is arguing on the radio or some idiot in NASCAR has got it wrong and they won't listen to the actual correct driver tell where they should be. And so it takes right. them a little while to get it worked out. So you're right. Imagine that with five classes of cars. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, there, there's got to be at least one or two hedge fund managers that owns a team here, you know, or races or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's been a bad week for them. Can you imagine them saying, <laughs> OK, and, uh, uh, you know, pick out pick out the most austere or something name on the on driver's sheet and say, OK, buddy, you are lined up fourth. Like, no, I'm not. I'm second. What yeah. are you talking about? I'm second. 
I could demand be. second. I was in second place. Yeah, I just, it could be like, like that. It could be also they're like, I'm sorry, know. I got distracted because uh, somebody was tweeting out, you know, to the moon and GameStop, <laughs> and now I've lost half my fortune. So, yeah, too bad for those yeah, guys. Yeah, this will be my last race. I have to sell this car to settle some debts. <laughs> they're selling it in the pits. They're like, hey, does anybody want to buy this? I got to settle some that, debts. I, I the chili bowl. They're doing the chili bowl model because that's what they do with the chili bowl, right? <laughs> yeah. At the end, like, they'll like, yep, yeah, in this car, you know, the – uh, like a team will like pack up. They'll be out Tuesday, Thursday night. And they're like, all right, who wants to buy the car for next year? Some Anybody? Pieces? Yeah, of course. No. <laughs> you know? I, I, and I think they said that happened actually that happened with uh, the end of the year at Sebring. They had yep. a couple of cars that were purchased the same way for this race. So yeah, yep, it's, it's kind exactly. of funny how all those different forms of racing all have kind of the same little I can through just line of that. The picture of that the last race of the year, last year, you got some guy just sitting there with his arms folded, like, yeah yeah you better not mess up my shit here yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah you better bring that thing back like one piece <laughs> that's absolutely right off you know i mean yeah. could you imagine like it would be weird nervous, it would be very weird if you were selling a car the like, but i'm gonna go run it for race. 300 miles first and then i'll give it back yeah. to you yeah yeah like could you imagine being like the car owner that's selling i mean i know these are it's rich you know roger penske and some of the drivers like that but could you imagine being the driver or the owner that has the car that you're like all right <laughs> Do not wreck it, driver. Like, seriously, don't wreck this car. I don't think you get to, but here's the thing. I don't think you get into this if you're like, oh, man, I hope I don't have to put a new fender on it. Like, you, you don't do that. No, because I, it's, I get it's it. Just, but like, what if too you, like, expensive. trash the car, like, bend the chassis? Like, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you don't want to see it. There's probably yeah, some there's stuff that goes that got to go out one way or the other. That's right. Saying. Yeah. Like, well, that's, that's, that is for sure. Um, we're going to take a break. We will get back and we will talk about a couple of the other big storylines from this race and a few questions we have because we want to know what you think about some ideas for uh, taking some great things from the Rolex series and possibly bringing them to other favorite racing series we have. And we have a contest winner to announce. So we will do that all when we come back next. You're listening to the Stagger Podcast. Welcome back to the Stagger Podcast. So before we go any further, we had a little contest we did this past week on Twitter, which you should follow us at Stagger Podcast on Twitter. You can also follow us at Stagger Podcast on Instagram, and you can follow us at Stagger Podcast on TikTok. TikTok! Yeah. So on Twitter, we had a little contest where we asked for people to do one of a few things, either retweet an episode link of the show so like when the episodes come out retweet one of those to your friends and just say hey check this out it was our rolex preview we had a few people do that we also had a few people who we had asked if you can either do that or leave a review for us on apple podcasts because i think that's one of the only podcasting sites where you can leave reviews anymore um mm -hmm. i don't think you can do that on like spotify or google Podcasts. so if uh you did that we appreciate it we picked a few people who did that, and we're going to give some of those prizes away. The prize that we offered was some Stagger stickers, which will be going out in the mail, along with an 8x10 photo of some awesome road uh, racing cars, some sports cars. that Some, uh, some, some rest from fast cars. Yeah, that, uh, photos <laughs> that, that Derek took the last time, I think the last time you were at Mid-Ohio, yeah, uh, which was, was not last year. because Yeah, so in 2019. So... Uh, you have the legendary Ford GT in there. Uh, we also had photo of the Penske Acuras before they switched over to Wayne Taylor Racing. Um, and I believe I also have a Wayne Taylor Racing Cadillac there. So 
we got some of those. And I also found a little, uh, I made a little collage of pictures that have the staggered logo on it. So uh, read the winners here just so everyone knows we did this on the up and up. Uh, Jason, his handle on Twitter is at Produce Pimp, my guy. Sam Miller, Chef Sam WCSD on Twitter. He uh, retweeted us, so we, we picked his up. Homer, Home Drizzy on Twitter. Thank you for that. And finally, Josh, Joshua D. Rollins. He was the one who, one of the ones who left a review for us. And we picked you, that. And he actually DM'd us the review. So uh, that helped us hey. in selecting him. So good job, Josh. Good job, everyone. If you uh, would like to win again, good news. We're probably going to do something like this for the Daytona 500. So, uh, you know, next week, yeah. be listening. We'll have more details on that, but on how you can win. Wacky, so just only self-portraits of us, though. Just, I mean, that's... that's <laughs> yeah, we're out, of, we're out of race car photos. Yeah, no, so black I, I think and we've white, got, we've got a few... Film. Uh, Hopefully we've got hopefully we've got a few uh, few I've stock got, car we've photos. Got some, we've got some stock. Car we might photos. have some. You know what? We might have some photos of those Bristol cars. I think we that's do. That's what we might have. Edition. Oh yeah, because they were only that they only all star race one yeah. race with that one wrap. So there you go with Very the numbers cool. on the side of the door. Yeah. yeah, on the back of the car, right or close to the back, closer to it the back. Like you yeah, know, what what I mean. yeah, with the glow sticks underneath the car is yeah. the it. One of the weirdest things NASCAR's ever done. But you'll get some, yeah, we'll have some more photos like that and probably a few more stickers to go out. So definitely be checking out how to do that. You can, again, find out how on Twitter at Stagger Podcast, Instagram, and TikTok, the same handle. All right. Now, and by the way, you can leave a review for us and not get any prizes. You could just do that as well because that helps people find the podcast. So thanks for that. Um, the other uh, storylines I wanted to talk about. Um, did you see Bill Alberlin, the winningest driver in IMSA history, getting sprayed in the face by fuel? That was not yes. good. That was uh, that one was... of his the other drivers for his team, which uh, was the number 96 BMW there in the GTD class. It was Aiden Reed. Uh, he was pulling out of the pits, but the hose for the fuel was not disconnected and uh, sprayed fuel everywhere, got in his face. He had to go take a shower to get all that off, but uh, oh, potentially man. very like... dangerous situation that worked out okay, yeah. thankfully. But yeah, that can I mean, be that can be very that. toxic if uh, you get that in the wrong places. Yeah, and, you, and you've probably if you've been an IMSA fan for a while, you probably heard the Jordan Ta- the, the Jordan brothers mainly uh, Ricky Taylor. Uh, sorry, Jordan Taylor. I always yeah, yeah. do that. The Taylor uh, brothers. Jo- yes. Yeah, but Jordan Taylor talking about crack, full crack, half crack, no crack. Right. <laughs> talking uh, about your face mask. Road. Yeah. Yeah, talking about your face mask, and and he was definitely on uh, on no on full crack. So you know, fully open. That's like. That's fully open. Usually that's like a sign of like a down to earth, you know, not too proud of himself. You know, the guy that walks full crack or, or half crack, you know, down pit road or whatever with his helmet on. It's a little bit like, okay, you're trying to prove something there, buddy. Like, full I crack don't know. I would, if I, if I had the ability to wear a helmet in real life, I, I would like, I've embraced mask wearing because I just like people not having you to like see hiding. what my face looks like. Yeah, yeah. So I would embrace wearing a full face shield helmet with the big like sun visor screen applied to it so that you can't <laughs> even see my face. Like I would definitely I would walk around like the Stig from Top Gear if anybody watched Top Gear back in the day. That's exactly <laughs> how I would walk around. I would not anyone want anyone to know my facial expressions. I would be yeah. the fattest racing driver you've ever seen, but I'd be totally fine with doing that. Yeah, so good that Bill Auberlin was okay there, and they they got yeah. that sorted out. The car itself did not, unfortunately, have the greatest of days, but that was one of the the liquid Molly paint job on that BMW was one of the better ones I saw all all week. And didn't you like the ode to the '96 Turner uh, paint scheme of old, the blue and yellow? Of course, that they always had for years. Well, they still uh, have it in the uh, the BMW Endurance Challenge. They still right. they still had those the '95 and '96 cars. Yeah, with yeah, Bill I, I, well, I just like how. But like in the and it was the if you're staring at the hood, it's passenger side of the hood, right above the the tire. 
there was that it was all white red and blue was the liquid molly paint scheme but then you had oh, right above it you had the uh the little like blue or the little red sorry i can't do my colors today there's a little yellow with a blue turner word right there oh yeah, yeah it's yeah. like a little ode to that famous livery that they had which yeah I, that was I, pretty one of my cool. favorites of all time very it was very cool stuff so uh, yeah unfortunately it didn't turn out for them in this one but that's all right he's uh bill alberlin has won a few races so i think he will be okay i think he'll he'll I, be fine I, this is weird Did anybody ever feel like they peaked i feel like i peaked when i was watching like the gaines co red dragon uh daytona <laughs> prototype and why did you say that you didn't have a <laughs> podcast back then like, you didn't have a I podcast know, back then you were just it's some just, dude like, now you got a podcast like if, if, Okay, well, let, let me phrase it another way. I feel like if there was a, okay, you know, you're on a deserted island, you had to take three books with you to read the rest of your life, you got one race to take with you. It'd probably be the Rolex 24 between like 08 and 2012. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah, that's like my favorite, that's my favorite period of time because I was down there every year taking photos yeah. and, and getting the, having a lot of cool conversations with cool drivers. It's just a, it's just a good time in my memory. Well, so we'll sometimes get back I look, there. I look at the, I look at the Turner times and and I look at that or like Hurley Haywood. They did a little uh, cutaway to oh, the, yeah, that the, was the, great. the Jacksonville Museum, like one of the teams that is driving a Porsche drove up there and got to see that as part of their like pre pre race festivities. And like Hurley Haywood is one of my favorite drivers of all time. And that Brumos Porsche scheme. Yeah. Porsche paint scheme is the best one I feel. So like. Yeah, welcome to Retro Rolex. They hour, brought they brought some of, those, some of those some of those some of those core some of those uh, retro cars they showed after that because they had some yeah. at the track. They brought those to Mid Ohio too a few years ago. Yeah, uh, yeah early, I remember seeing it yeah. a few years ago. They, and I just, I hope they continue to do that because that was epic. That's just uh, I so hope great, so, man. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't wait to get back to that. Um, real quick, let's talk a little bit about the NASCAR drivers that were in this race because uh, this just in, they were not very good. Um, Chase Elliott was <laughs> <laughs> Chase Elliott was very critical of himself. And I, I, I respect where he's coming from on that because, you know, he knew he was not good. There was a, a page that was tweeted out uh, t- showing the average DPI lap times after eight hours. Uh, so, again, yeah. not the whole race, but after eight hours, uh, Chase Elliott had one of the lower lap totals in that. He had like 31 laps in the car. Uh, at that point, Alexander Rossi had only had like 21 laps in his car. Mike Conway had only had 39. Jimmy Johnson had only had 37. So it wasn't. The, it was pretty low. It wasn't the lowest, but um, Chase Elliott was uh, average lap time in the 31 laps he did at the eight hour mark was 1.6 seconds per lap off the pace of the leader, uh, which was uh, go figure Kamui Kobayashi, who is we talked about is a certified badass. Uh, but even, you know, <laughs> Ranger Vanderzand was only 0.03 seconds behind that. Ranger Vanderzand yep. was also, you know, one of the best drivers in this field. And Felipe Albuquerque. Go figure. Those three guys, we talked about them earlier. They had the three best lap times Boom. through the they first all there eight the hours. End. Of course. Yeah, they were all there at the end. Because they are the, the best drivers in the up. field. They were all the best yeah. road course racers in this field. And they were all nails. But just showing how far off the pace, like they were running 96.5, 96.6, 96.7 as far as their lap times. Those are seconds. Chase yeah. was at a 98-2. You know, Jimmy Johnson was at a 97-1. So they were, you know, Jimmy Johnson's a half a second off the lead pace, uh, and Chase was more like almost two seconds off the lead pace. So it's it was a big adjustment for him. You could tell that he was out of his comfort zone, but you know what? He owned up to it. He talked about it, and I think that was good. Um, I think it was yeah. good for him to do so. And, and I'm sure that with more seat time and maybe if it wasn't such a limited situation with COVID – you know, he'll have more chances to drive these cars and, and maybe have a chance to go out and do this more. But 
Yeah, it's uh, it's it's weird to see the guy who just is known as like the best road course racer in NASCAR, and has just won the championship come there and be humbled that way in yeah. these cars. Just shows you how technical, how how difficult these cars are to drive. Yeah, you know they're super technical, super difficult. Uh, the braking has always been something with the DPIs. Like they just they're just different to drive. Um, they're like small little fighter planes out there on wheels. Uh, so for him to come over from NASCAR, for him to for other drivers to come over from other disciplines, it takes a, <clears throat> a little bit of a learning curve. And even Jimmy Johnson, having uh, been in, in a Daytona prototype in a different generation, coming back now with the new with the new cars, it's it's an adjustment too. So well, I, and I really not like just that, that, Jimmy's been driving aero cars all winter, testing yeah. for IndyCar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's so he's also been getting that experience, and even still, he was you know quite a bit off the pace from a guy who was in his exact same car. So the equipment was not that different for Kobayashi versus Jimmy Johnson, and yet yeah. the difference in lap times is startling. Okay, so when can we get uh, Kobayashi, Ringer Vanderzand, and Felipe Albuquerque a NASCAR IndyCar? I'd love to see I it. I think that needs to happen. I would love to see that. Wouldn't you like to win? Like the like the lotteries just popped a few weeks ago. I'm in like an office <laughs> pool, and I didn't win, obviously, or else you know, this would be a video series, and we'd all have, you know, Makeup and hair done. We would have been at. We would have been at Daytona. Yeah. We would have. We would have been at Daytona. Flown we private. Like, we would made, be we there. We made our own bubble. Like yeah, we would have. We would not let anybody in it. We would have done our yeah. own bubble. You're exactly right. <laughs> yes, we would have been totally but, fine. Yeah, but but wouldn't it be nice if you did have that 400 million dollar jackpot that you just like set like I don't know like 50 million aside, buy a couple chassis, get a couple engineers just to hang out. You know. Oh or, man, or, I tell or, you, outsource a team, and then the idea is basically you just run like, like the Grand Prix of Indy with like Ranger Vanderzand, or you just run like Sear, uh, Sears Point, Sonoma and Watkins Glen and, you know, Coda with Kamui Kobayashi and NASCAR. Like that would be freaking amazing to see. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be too. I, I would love to have those guys have a chance. I actually was thinking about that. If I hit the lottery, I think I would be Rick Ware where, yeah. you know, Rick Ware has a NASCAR program. He has mm-hmm. a LMP2 program. He has an IndyCar program. With Dale Coyne, that's uh, going down that they are doing. So it's just weird because BJ McLeod is one of his drivers that has circulated around in his paddock, and it's just really odd to see like LMP2 car engineers, and then BJ McLeod. It's just weird. Like I feel like uh, you know if you're gonna do like the whole have multiple series, and I guess it kind of fits the stereotypes that we're all trying to break, right? But and McLeod's a really cool guy. I don't want to, I definitely do, do not misunderstand me. I do not want to make fun of BJ McLeod. It's just that it's an odd pairing, yeah. wouldn't you, so would you say, of, yeah, uh, sure. of having a guy who just looks like a NASCAR, you know, late model dirt guy, worked his way up to cup, you know, and then you have IndyCar program and LMP2 program. Yeah. It's just kind of funny. It's, it, well, yeah, it's a lot of different racing disciplines, but I think, I think in, in some ways you and I can both relate to that because, we love all these forms of racing. I think Rick Ware would actually be a great guest to get on to talk on this podcast because yeah. he's one of the guys who actually touches on all the interests that we have, you know, IndyCar, stock car. We obviously have road racing. So, yeah, but he is going to be partnering up with Dale Coyne this year to nice. field the uh, number 51 car as a full season entry in the IndyCar series. Uh, that'll be alongside the number 18 car for Dale Coyne Racing, which is a Vassar-Sullivan partnership. So yeah. a couple of the different road racing teams that you just saw here will be collaborating and doing uh, okay. IndyCar racing. And uh, I believe, I can't remember if that's with Vassar-Sullivan or with uh, Rick Ware, but I'm pretty sure one of those is, that's that's the ride that is going to go to um, 
former F1 driver Romain Grosjean, I believe is going to be in one of those two rides, if I'm not mistaken. So that hasn't oh, been really? announced. I, that hasn't been announced yet, but I think it was hinted at on the broadcast there. So, yeah. Um, well, yeah. I, I need to say this, though. If if Rick Ware Racing can he can afford three racing series or cars in three racing you know series, essentially, he needs to hire himself a good sales person. Yeah. Because if Exxon Mobil does not become a sponsor of the 51 Rick Ware car, that Exxon Rowdy Burns logo from Days of Thunder should be on every livery that he has. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would should. leverage it. And like, it, like, <laughs> could you imagine? I mean, the die cast sales alone of an LMP2 car, a NASCAR Cup car, and an Indy car, all with the Exxon branding looking like Rowdy Burns number 51. I mean, come on. It just has to happen. And I mean, wouldn't you buy that for $199? I would. I would buy yeah. that and display that in my house. Like, hey, look, it's the Rowdy Burns. Uh, selection <laughs> yeah absolutely um and it is they did say it on the broadcast that cody ware and romain grosjean are going to be with rick ware racing for indycar next year so that's that's the announcement dale coin supposedly is going to announce that next week uh supposedly romain grosjean has said he will not run the indy 500 even if he is going to do it nothing's officially been confirmed but they did mention it on the broadcast i think they let that slip before it's supposed to be out there but either way yeah, expect a Romain Grosjean announcement. Maybe by the time you've heard this podcast, maybe that announcement will be made. But um, looking it. like all signs pointing to another F1 driver coming to IndyCar, which I don't think is bad. I don't think that's and bad. And add at Magnus all. into the mix next year. I think it's just going to be. Well, he's got two. Like, he's he's still got to get this done, and uh, he's racing a full season here in the road racing series. Oh, let's, yeah. let's see him actually oh, yeah. win a race here first. There, Bucko, before oh, you start, hey, just hey, hey, put hey, him hey, in an well, IndyCar. Yeah. Let's well, you know what? <laughs> hey, we all can dream that he'll be the IndyCar champ, and uh, Bubba Wallace will be. The NASCAR champ. How about that? You'd be in heaven. You'd be you'd be you'd be fit to be tied if that happens for sure. Well, hey, I can tell you this: he's going to win the twelve hours of Sebring. Old Bubba's (laughs) going to win a Florida race this year. You mark that'd be that'd be awesome. Love to. I'm. I'd love to see it. We all would love to see it. Um, Love to see it. So let's let's bring up a couple other things real quick, and we'll get out of here. A couple hypotheticals. So this hit me during the uh, broadcast because just you know watching another lap of where they're showing literally a, a lap that had a gtlm a gtd lmp2 lmp3 and dpi all in the same shot all racing around a corner together and i thought we could use that in the world of nascar what if for road courses only maybe it's just for one road course maybe it's just for like an all-star race or an exhibition what if we had one race where you had the trucks, the Xfinity cars, and the cup cars all on the track at the same time on a road course, spaced out, starts like they did, you know, where they stagger it between the classes, but I'm sure they would all end up catching up with each other eventually. Why not do that? I think that would be great. And the argument that, you know, the NASCAR, like the Kyle Bushes of the world, I assume would make, or some, you know, if not him, somebody would say, well, we're racing for a championship. We can't afford to have anybody on the track that could screw up our day. What, what do you think everybody else is doing at this, at this race, right? I mean, I one yeah. race a year, I would love. Don't you think that would probably generate as much interest as about any race they do? You're going to put dirt at Bristol, but you're not going to at least entertain this. I hope NASCAR thinks about that because I oh, I think it would be I'd really great. love to see that. You have a NASCAR Pro and a NASCAR Am. I mean, that would be... <laughs> I'm not saying they have to be 24-hour races. I'm saying you no, could have your two-hour no. race. You could have your 100-lap race, whatever, 70-lapper. No, but I, I, put, I it a, it would be, put it on it would a road be course. Funny. Let's if go. You, if, you like, if you like five classes, you have a Xfinity, like we have money. Like instead of Pro and Am, you have NASCAR money and NASCAR no money. That's right. And sure. that way you'd be like, hey, <laughs> it, like, you know, 
look at look at some of these you know racing series or, or teams and like uh who who would it, who is the guy uh jd motorsports right they got the tiktok driver brian vargas yeah zero yeah. flex seal car he's the tech got, he's a tiktok car you know, now yeah they don't got much in the way of like they can't outrace penske they can't outrace gibbs to so put those guys in their own class right I then like that idea, but sports, yeah. I like, guess I'm just saying truck, you could have the, the truck series in one class. Have the truck series in one class, have Xfinity in one class, and have the cup guys, but have them all on the track at the same time. And then I, I want and then I want to see like, you know, what happens when, you know, you got a couple guys racing for the lead, racing for a championship, and they roll up on a couple of like, you know, Jennifer Joe Cobbs in the back of the field in the truck. Like I I want to see how that goes. I want to see oh, I want to I really want to see how that goes. I want to see what happens when they run up on Mike Harmon. In the Xfinity cars, right out, <laughs> running his Dodge Charger. I'm like, let's go, let's do his, it. He's gonna take his Dodge Charger from the top of the wall all the way, sweep <laughs> it down to the to the apex of the turn. I'm just telling you. High, and then the bus stop. He's just gonna. <laughs> all right, let me ask you this: hypotheticals, oh, hypotheticals in play here. Because IndyCar on NBC also tweeted this out, and I, I want to know which one you'd rather see. Would you rather see a road course where you have trucks, Xfinity, and cup cars all on the track at the same time in one big race? Or would you rather see the Indy cars run the road course at Daytona? And I will preface that by saying I think it has to be the road course that NASCAR runs with the extra chicane in on the front stretch before you get to the trioval. You mean, uh, oh, oh, yeah, 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 Daytona, yeah. They'd have to have Yeah, that. they'd have to have the extra chicane in because they're not going to, I don't think they're going to let them run all out. You know, like that. They do that at Daytona. Did they not do that at Daytona? I'm pretty they, sure they, they did. They did at Daytona. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're they right. run the extra chicane yeah. off of turn four. I think the Indy because cars would have to do that. The, you can't go from the exit of the back stretch or the entrance of turn three all the way to essentially the turn one. I mean, yeah. your brakes would fall apart. Yeah, right. And I don't think the Indy cars, that would be a good idea either to give them a bank turn, get all yeah. their speed up, and then have to go completely down. But what do you think of that idea? Which one would you rather see? The Indy cars running the road course at Daytona or all three series for NASCAR on one track? I If you if you made me choose, because it would be – I've seen Indy cars on really fast, cool tracks before. I would have to go with the NASCAR uh, running all three series at once because, I mean, you're you're, you're talking trucks with cup. Yeah, I, mean, I know. Be right, cool. I'd love to see it. I I think that would be so cool to have the trucks and the cup guys going at the same time. But man, Indy cars at Daytona, that would be that would be something, they, right? That would they be tested the, there one time. Thomas Schechter tested there back in oh, oh, 2000, I want to say two thousand three. Did he really? I didn't. Yeah. Know that. I, so if you go to Indianapolis's uh the, the Hall of Fame. Uh, inside the speedway they have a photo archive and every event that indy cars have ever had they have photos up like test sessions and things wow. like that too right yeah so there's a photo that i bought of thomas Schechter, high on the high banks with the words daytona written behind it i think it was 2000 because it was before the safer barriers were in there oh wow i didn't yeah, i think that's that one of the reasons why they didn't okay. race there yeah yeah, yeah that probably whole, like be nascar indy car divide at the point but now right, it's kind yeah. of been united with Finsky buying the series in the in the speedway. So yeah, yeah, that's crazy, almost man. that's. I, I'd love to. I, I want to watch that, but I would also like to see. And I think the video exists out there somewhere. I just forget where it is. Rusty Wallace tested an unlimited car at Daytona, like a non restrictor plate Daytona, like a car. Tesla truck or something. No, 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 like a, oh. a couple. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it was unlimited. It had no 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 uh, limits to its potential. Yeah. No, he tested a cup car without the restrictor plates on it at yeah. Talladega, and I want to say it went over 220. 
I think I could be wrong on that. And I think they quickly determined like we will never be able to do this because of the safety factor. But yeah, they got it. They got a cup car up to that fast. Um, so yeah, I think. Let me see. It's ridiculous. Oh, here we here it is. Two hundred twenty eight miles per hour. He did that in two thousand four. Two thousand four. He hit two twenty eight. And if you don't remember, Bill Elliott holds the qualifying record at Talladega. The last year before they had restrictor plates, he ran a two twelve eight oh nine in nineteen eighty seven. So that's wow. you know think about that like that's the that's the progress they made from you know eighty seven to two thousand four. Think about what it might be from two thousand four to today. They might be running well over two thirty five. I don't know. I know. No idea what they'd be doing. They, they there's it's no insane. way they're going to do it. But yeah. The hypotheticals are really fun with that, and I enjoy thinking about them, even though I know they probably won't happen. Um, but one <laughs> other thing that I saw brought up, and I think it's an excellent point, because you know uh, the IndyCar on NBC Twitter account posted that about putting IndyCars at the road course at Daytona. And then a few fans tweeted and said, well, I'd actually like to see them just go back to a track they used to run. And the one they brought up was Watkins Glen. And yeah. I would love the, the Indy cars. Yes, Indy cars with the boot yeah. at Watkins Glen, the full course, not the NASCAR course. Let's make that happen because Watkins Glen is one of my favorite tracks, like at least to watch. I've never been there. I plan to go as soon as I can because it's it's phenomenal looking on TV. But yeah, don't the um, yeah the 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 sailing six hours at the Glen that IMSA does. That's with yeah. the full. They put the full course on that, and it's great. Yeah. So hopefully oh, they could. Fantastic. I wish the Indy cars would go there. That'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. I'm loving it, man. It's been a great weekend. It's been fun. The Rolex 24 to me. I mean, I'm 35 years old. I've been watching it since I was 15. Uh, hopefully, I've got 50 of these left, you know, in me. But each each year, it's just another thing where you're thankful that you got a chance to watch some really fast cars go for a really long time and. I don't think there can ever be a bad Rolex 24. Yeah, I, I think it. you're right. They Even the one that had like four hours of rain straight. Yeah. But you know what? That's something we didn't have today. We did not have uh, any rain. Oh. The weather was pretty much perfect for this yeah. race. So was that was that was really good. The whole time. Yeah. Jealous of everybody that got to 2021, the sun finally shined on us a few days. Yeah, it Once certainly twice, did. You know, certainly 2020, did. whatever. Like, the, like I consider this whole one big, it's not going to be a new year until like, I don't know, summertime. <laughs> I know <laughs> what you mean. Me. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I feel the same way. All right. Well, that is it for this week's episode. But do not forget, next week, we are back with another season preview because now that we're done with the Rolex 24 at Daytona, it is time for the cup cars and all the NASCARs and all the stock cars to go to Daytona. They are going to run and we are going to have tons to talk about with those races because don't forget, they are running the 500, but then they are also running the road course the following week. So we are going to talk about that. But we will also preview the entire NASCAR season next week on the podcast. We'll tell you about some of the driver changes, some of the new teams that are out there. Uh, I think Derek might have something to say about Bubba Wallace and the Michael Jordan, Denny Hamlin, Uh, 23XI team. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, So we'll get into all that, plus our predictions for the season, some fantasy tips if you are playing daily fantasy NASCAR or drafting a NASCAR team like you and I will be. And uh, yeah, we're going to have all that in our preview next week. So make sure you check it out. And thank you again to all our new listeners. We appreciate you being here. We look forward to having you back next week. And once again, as always, stay safe and stay staggered.